Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you all are doing well. It's a beautiful day. And uh, if there was ever a subject that I think is easy this morning, I have the pleasure and privilege of talking about food. Right? Hey, I get already, I'm already getting the amens. I got an easy sermon this morning. Today's subject is food. And for many of you, you know that I'm a personal trainer. So it's kind of uh, ironic that the personal trainer today is going to give you some advice. Here's what it is. Eat more. Right? I want you to eat more. But I want you to eat more with people. There's a little caveat to that. Eat more with people. Not eat people. That'd be bad. Eat more with people. I I want you to see the value of food. Right? That food matters. That, That meals matter. That meals can have great significance when spent with other people. I want us to kind of travel in this, in this way of life that God has provided where we see that, that eating, it is about our physical life, right? You got to eat or you die. Okay, but it's more than that. Eating is just as much about your spiritual life. I mean, think about it. You might not have prayed all day. But you go to the dinner table, and for some odd reason, you just at that moment, it becomes natural for you to do what? Take a moment, thank God for your food. Some days are like that. It's the first, that's the only time I've prayed is I, okay, I'm coming to the meal. Food is God's way of reminding us that you and I need God. He meant it that way. That's that's why God created you to have a need for food. Right? We all know the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that little statement, right? Lord, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. My physical sustenance, but not just my physical sustenance. God, you Give me more of you, my spiritual sustenance. That's why God made food, for you to think about him, for you to remember him, for you to worship him, for you to see that, man, as you're tasting this good food, it reminds you that he is good too. And so this morning, y'all, I got an easy sermon. I want to have a little fun. I want us to enjoy it. And I want you to understand that God has called you to eat more with people. That's the, t- that's the subject, that's the title, that's where we're going. And, and I think we see it in the scriptures. I think the scriptures teach us that we're called to eat with people. And so if you would, let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 45. I thought I could read the Bible, but I'm, I'm going to use my text because my, I, I'm getting older, okay? So this is humbling for me. 
Let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through... Actually, I want to read through 47, okay? This is God's word. He wants us to learn something. Those who received God's word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls in the church. These Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and, and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this is the account in the book of Acts of the very beginning of the church. Jesus was just crucified. He was buried and yet he was risen again. He is the Lord of all creation. And his power was coming upon the people of God because this is the day of Pentecost where the Spirit of God was blowing upon the people and you are seeing signs and wonders and amazing things are happening in the life of the church. And stuck in the middle of this, we see a rhythm of the church beginning, a pattern for the church. We see it in this text And further along, we'll see it in the life and ministry of Jesus. And what's that pattern? Food. Food. The people of God, they're eating together. And they're eating together frequently. That's the pattern of life that God wants us to participate in. And so that's kind of like my main idea this morning, my main thing, all right? Eat with people for your spiritual sustenance. That's the big idea. Eat with people for your spiritual sustenance. We see it clearly in Acts. We see it in the life of Jesus. And we're just going to kind of travel along this road and hopefully learn some things about that. And so we see God creates food okay, for, for our physical sustenance. We see that God creates it for our spiritual sustenance. And there's, there's a first thing I want you to kind of see here in this text. In Acts chapter 2, what's happening in the hearts of the people? Joy. There's a joy. And I describe that as a spiritual joy. So my first point of this is that we, we should eat together for our spiritual joy. They're, 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 they're glad. They're happy. And you wonder, why? Why are the folks at the beginning of the church, when it just begins, why do you see the joy so easily expressed in them? 
And honestly, I, I think it's rooted in Christ. The foundation of their joy is Christ. If you take a look back at verse two, or, uh, chapter 2, you'll see it says that they were devoted. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. These folks are devoted to Christ in such a way that you see a devotion in four areas of their lives. It's to God's word. It's to fellowship. It's to eating together and prayer. They are completely devoted. I looked at that word. What does that mean? The word devoted actually means to be loyal to something. You, we, we understand that, right? If you're loyal to something... Like, no matter what, you're going to keep doing something. You're going to cling and hold tightly to something. You're going to place a great value on something that it's more important than everything else in your life because you are devoted to it. And that's what you see with the Christians here. There's a longing desire in their hearts. Man, I, I want to know God. I want to know God's people. I want to eat good food with God's people. And I want to pray. If you're a Christian, is that the longing that is describing you? And if not, I want you to do some soul searching in your heart and ask the question, why? Why? What in the world is, is tempting you so much where that desire has just crept away? And how can the Lord kind of renew that? I think that's a good question for our hearts this morning. How can, how can God kind of churn in us a desire to love him and desire him? That we would love God's word so much that you, you, you feast on God's word. Like, right? You think of, like, we want to feast together. But God wants you to feast on his word. Because Peter's response, Peter the disciple, his response in that song, where will I go, Lord? You are the one that has eternal life. And your words, they have eternal life eternal significance. So where else can I go? That's the power of the living word of God. Does it place that kind of priority in your life? To fellowship, to, to koinonia, to communion together, to being together with people. The idea of communion, the idea of, of fellowship is the idea of mutual people participating together. There's a key word to that. Like if you're a part of Encounter Church, our hearts long as you participate. I mean, some of y'all have some football jerseys on today, right? You know that if you're in a team, on the football team, you need to participate. Because if one part of the team doesn't participate, 
what happens? It breaks down. God's calling us, man, to participate together. There's a joy in that. It's life-giving when you fellowship with God's people. And there's this breaking of bread, right? This third thing, they break, they break bread. They eat together. Who doesn't love to eat? Then they pray. They pray together. They pray for another. Like, who in the, who in the room, just honestly, like, who in the room knows something that they can pray for you about? And if that's not there, what's your next step to having a relationship to where you just have somebody that prays for you? Great friends pray for one another. It's a demonstration of genuine concern and care to have someone to love you enough to pray for you, whatever it might be. As you just kind of see, this is, this is all going on. They're devoted to this. They're just completely loyal to this. And what happened? Like, what happened as a result? What goes on as a result of the Christians in that place being devoted to that? Well, you look at it. There's more people coming to know Jesus. People's souls are awakened to spiritual realities. People are being baptized. Christians are saying people need Christ. And they're bringing friends. But you know what they're doing with those friends? They're bringing them into their homes. They're going out to lunch with them. They're sharing Christ with them. They're taking care of people's needs. Like, I just want to say, like, I think it's awesome that Michael shared a need of a family that needed a, uh, was it a dryer? They needed a dryer. Some of you said, okay, great, that's me. Here's my money. Go buy a dryer. Like, that's Acts chapter 2. Because your sacrifices for people are more important than your own comforts. That is awesome. That's Acts, two, Acts, Acts chapter 2. God is just moving in their hearts because they are devoted to Christ and to one another. And the cool thing is, food's a part of it. Look at verse 46. What's it say? Day by day, they attended the temple together and breaking bread in their homes... They receive their food. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Can I get an amen to that? Right? Who doesn't receive food with some serious, glad, and generous hearts? Especially if it's good food. Right? They're eating together and loving it. Who can disagree with that? That's what amazing part of the church I got, I, got a, I got a slogan, a new slogan for us, right? Encounter good food with good friends here at Encounter Church. Right? That's what we want to be. That's what today is about. Encounter good food with good people here at Encounter Church. 
Why? Because you encounter a good God when you do that. That's why he made food. That you would encounter Christ through other people, through the means of food. I mean, food brings us together, right? We all know that. And how often was this happening? Every day. What does it say? It says, day by day. So when was this? So how often was this happening? Day by day. And where was it happening? In their homes. Christian, I, I would encourage you, like, how is your home a place of blessing to other people? Because that's what's happening here. How can, your, how can you make your home a place of blessing for others? This wonderful gift that God gives us of hospitality. God wants us to be hospitable to others because that shows his hospitality to you and I. And I want to invite you into that. There's just a real joy of doing that. A real spiritual joy of doing that. Right? You come together with other people. The first thing you do, you thank God. You worship God. Then you eat this good food. You're like, man, that was good. God's even better. You talk about God. Here's what the table does, right? The table offers you an opportunity to actually sit and stop for a moment. From all your busyness, right? The table is a way for us just to relax and be present with people. Because we have a hard time doing that. Would you all admit that? Like, you know, you, you go out and people are sitting at a table and everybody's on a screen. What? <laughs> like, you're missing the point. Like, you're meant to sit there and enjoy people, not the screen. And hear me, I'm not saying that you cannot do that. I'm not going to be legalistic about this here, that you can't go and watch a football game with friends and not enjoy life. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is, can we move our meals in such a way that they're intentional to bless and encourage and love and know people? Can we move in that direction? Because that's, that's what I get out of Acts 2. This is what the scriptures presents us with. And you see this, this is kind of like, you can just kind of see people are at the table. These conversations are arising. You're getting to know others. You're getting to share like, hey, what's going on in your life? Oh, that's happening in your life? Can I pray for you about that? And you pray. You pray right then and there for them. Because you love them. You want God to work for them. You're for them. That happens over the table. And when all these things are happening simultaneously, do you know what you get internally? Joy. A deep spiritual joy. Because God makes his presence known through people and good food. That's what's happening here in Acts chapter 2. And, and you know, it's, it's, 
fasting, what's the response of this, right? So once you're all eating together and sharing Christ together, what's their response? And the praising God and having favor with the people. It's verse 47. And the Lord adds to, the, adds to their number day by day those who are being saved. So you just get, I mean, you just see it like, so I've got, uh, I've got John and Yana over my home. They bring their friends. I bring a neighbor over. We're all talking about it. Somehow Christ is mentioned. And it begins the process of people wondering, who is this Christ? He was risen from the dead. What? Because people don't believe in miracles today. You get that, right? We believe in the God of miracles. We believe in the God who made the stars and the sun and the heavens, who put the whole world and the whole universe in place by his mighty hand because he's omnipotent. He's above and beyond all things. That's what we believe, and the world does not believe that. None of your shows talk to you about that. There's nothing on TV that reminds us that there's a spiritual world of eternity that is eternal. No one's telling you that. But this place is where God is present in the church. And conversations over a meal remind us of our great God. And so you all, I'm just thinking through this. I want to encourage you to be devoted to Wednesday night. I really want to encourage you to be devoted to Wednesday night because right now in our church, You've got Sunday morning, and you've got Wednesday night. Wednesday night's when all our groups are meeting. The first Wednesday of the month is when our prayer group meets. We meet right here to live out Acts chapter 2. And I, I want you to see the value in it. And it, here's the thing. It's like, so often we're going to come to a Wednesday night because you've worked 10 hours like I have and you're exhausted. Like the extrovert in me is exhausted from being with people all the time. Believe it or not, some days I do get exhausted and I'm extremely extroverted. But gee, people can be exhausting. But they're full of joy. Because I see Christ in them. That's why I love coming here on Sunday morning. I see Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I want to move away from this idea that, that I have to do Wednesday. Or it's a checklist. No, no, no. Can Wednesdays become a joy? Just like Sundays, can Wednesdays become a joy? I, I want to push you a little bit to be uncomfortable, okay? And here's the thing, like, I get it. If you got a kid's game, hey, the game I get, now that's going to, I'm going to go to my kid's game too, right? 
My, my children are, import, are more important than you. Okay? I'm just going to say that. My children are more important because it's the Lord, it's my wife, my kids, and then it's you. That's what I see in the scriptures. I think God made it that way. So I get it. If your kids going on, things are going, but man, how can you, how can you sacrifice for a Wednesday night and meet with groups and meet in groups? And for those of you who can't drive, who can't make it, who would be willing to go and say, I'll pick you up. Let's go. If you take a look um, in your, um, in your bulletin, sorry, here's a little thing about our groups. I want to encourage you to attend a group. And if Wednesday nights do not work for you at all, hey, then let's talk. Let's see if there's a way. I know some of our, our D groups meet another night, but take this out. Take a look at this. This kind of explains to you what groups are and why we're doing them, but Acts chapter 2 is why we're doing them. We have two ways of thinking through our encounter groups. So we have a larger group that meets during the week, and then some, some weeks we have smaller groups of just men and just women. If you take a look, it tells you when they are, where and who are meeting them, and you all, we'd love to see you participate in that. Along with that, every Wednesday, every first Wednesday of the month, we gather here for prayer. And I want to invite you to come, that we would kind of see, like the Lord do what he did in Acts chapter 2. I really do believe, as we grow that we will see people coming to the Lord. We will see God do miraculous things because that's what God loves to do. And so if you have any questions, you can talk to me about this. Um, after our, or during our time of eating, I'll be out there, like any questions, come talk to me. But I would love to see you all participate in our group life here at the church. And so you see Acts chapter two and you see what's happening there and how the Lord uses this food to gather folks together. And they're praying together and fellowshipping. And why? Like, why? Why is that so important that you're meeting together? Why? Take a look at Hebrews chapter 10. And this, this kind of describes the value of gathering together, even over a meal. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25 says this Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near Why do we need to meet together or eat together, we need to eat together to strengthen our faith. That's why. That's my second point. Eat together to strengthen your faith. Because we're all prone. We're all prone to do what? And what does it say? To waver. 
We're all prone to waver and wonder from the faith. I mean, we're learning that, right? We're currently walking through the book of Jonah. Jonah is a prophet. Like, he's an important dude that's given him a direct command from God. Jonah, I've entrusted you to go preach to Nineveh. What's he say? I'm out. No, thank you. He goes even more that, that God, I don't even want to be near you. That's where Jonah's at. I don't want God. Get away from me. I'm moving to another city to get away from you. That's you and me. You got to see yourself as Jonah. You know that, right? We're all prone, man. We're all prone to wander away from God. That's why it's so important to, to be with people and, and to eat with people. I almost want to say eat or be eaten, right? Because the world would love to swallow you up and influence you. So you better eat with people or you will be eaten by the world. It comes calling. Moving your heart to move away from God. That's why God put people in your life so that you can spend time and be encouraged. We all need to be encouraged and loved and cared for and to let, let just to, to kind of know that someone's for us. That often happens over the table. It's, it's over a meal together where you feel just deeply encouraged. And that someone is sacrificing their time and their gifts to be a blessing to you. I mean, there's something about that. And look what it says, like, why, why do we meet together? It says two reasons. Verse 23, it says, you need to meet together so that you hold fast to what you believe. And then second of all, it says, you need to meet together so that you consider how to stir up or to encourage or to motivate one another to love and good works for another. That's why it's so valuable to meet together. There's a, a, a spiritualness to your gatherings that encourages you in the faith. And what brings us together? It's this food stuff, right? I mean, think about your holidays, people. Okay, let's see. There's Thanksgiving, right? You've got Christmas. You've got Easter. You've got Father's Day, Mother's Day. You've got birthdays. What is central to all those? Oh, oh weddings. Like, you've got weddings, too. Sorry. What's central to all of those things? Food. Good food. You love good food. Food brings us together. And when you're gathering together for food, it just blesses you. And some of you are saying like, hey, you know, you're right. I love going to those events. I love the food. But the introvert in me, man, the people... Mm. <laughs> you're just smiling. It's people. It's sometimes tough. But God puts those people in our lives for a reason so that we can be blessed. 
great, great memories with people happen over great food. You know that? Great memories with people happen over great food. I'm going to show you a little video here. Of um, This is my son when he's about five or six. A little memory of a great food. Isaiah, tell us, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, a pastor. Like who? My dad. So what's the good news? Um, uh, uh, Jesus done crossing me. Can I see Can I I mean, to heaven. I think it's appropriate that he said Jesus died on the cross and went to Nineveh as we're walking through the book of Jonah, right? That's a great memory for me. I searched all week. I couldn't find that video. and um, My daughter gave me an idea last night, and I found it. It's a great memory. And where did it happen? At the table over some great food. There's something about food, right? We had folks over. Um, we had folks over last weekend, and um, we just had dessert. But my wife made a, a new dessert. She's a little nervous about it, but she she took time to make this dessert, and, and she she wanted to make it good, right? And we we just had a blast with people. A great night of just conversation, laughter, fun, getting to know one another, and seeing how we could pray for one another. That was our night. And then the next day, this was a text that she received from somebody. And the person texted this to both, to both of us. They said, I just savored one of those pecan bars for a late afternoon snack. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for hosting this evening. That was a blessing to me. Sharing, sharing a meal with others is so life-giving. And that's what I want to invite you to. The life-giving joy of sharing a meal while you share your story, while you share Christ with another, while you, while you learn to pray for one another. That's, that's my longing. And I, I want to invite you to live like like Jesus. Did you know Jesus emulates the, this idea more than anyone? The value of food and people, it describes the very life of Christ, the risen Savior. 26 times in the Gospels, 26 times, it teaches us that Jesus is eating with others. You know, we as Americans... We like to center our lives around food. We forget the other part, right? But not Jesus. The people were just as significant as the food. His first miracle, what did he do? He turned water into wine. He made drink for everyone. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. And where is he at? 
He's in the home of Levi, who would ultimately become the disciple Matthew. And would the Pharisees and Sadducees, what the Son of Man has come eating and drinking? Yes, he has. He's come to bring in the kingdom of God through eating and drinking. In Luke 7, he anoints at the home of Simon the Pharisee. He is anointed while he's at the home of Simon the Pharisee, eating a meal. In Luke 9, he's feeding the 5,000. In Luke 10, he's eating at the home of Mary and Martha, whose brother would later die, and Jesus would raise his life. In Luke 14, he's at a meal, He invites others to invite the poor to their meal rather than their friends while he's eating. Always teaching while he's eating. In Luke 19, he invites himself to dinner with Zacchaeus. Hey, can I come over? Love to have dinner with you. Luke 22, he's at the Last Supper with the disciples. In Luke 24, He's going along the road of Emmaus with the two disciples, eats a meal with them. And then when Jesus is resurrected, what does he do? The disciples come home or come back from fishing at sea, and there he is at the beach. Jesus has cooked a meal for them, fish ready to receive. One writer describes Jesus in the book of Luke. Jesus is always either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's leaving a meal. Jesus is always eating. And you think about it, it makes sense, right? You go back to the Old Testament. What did God do? Put all all the feasts together, right? Right? The Feast of Booths, the Feast of the Sabbath, the Tabernacle, the Passover. All, all this food to remind us that he is God. I look at what uh, one author says. Tim Chester says this. Jesus spent his time eating and drinking, a lot of his time. He was a party animal. His mission strategy was a long meal, stretching into the evening. He did evangelism and discipleship around a table with some grilled fish, a loaf of bread, and a pitcher of wine. (laughs) Who would have thought that the kingdom of God would come to the Savior eating a meal with lots of people? But that's the part of kingdom life that we're invited into. God created this food so that you could grow in faith. You could share your stories. You can pray for one another. You can laugh. You can love. And you can learn to remember God together over a meal. And so this morning, I just encourage you guys to get together with somebody. Um, and it doesn't have to be a meal. Like, I don't, I don't want to um, just say it has to be a meal. I do think there's something to a meal, right? 
something significant about a meal because you can sit and relax. But if it's coffee, coffee with someone, a lunch, could it be valuable that you make a standing appointment over drink or food with someone from the church? If you can't do it weekly, can you do it bi-weekly or monthly? You'll do that if you see value to it. And I think there's spiritual value to that. And I, um, I would encourage you all to have people over to dinner. I really would. In fact, so much so, the past couple weeks, I've been blessed by folks coming over to our home that I want to make it a pattern in my life. And if you would like to make it a pattern, I want to encourage you all this. i got a sign-up sheet out there, and I'm going to put it somewhere where I see everybody. If you love to host a meal with someone or with a group of folks, I can call it eat with eight or supper with six or whatever you want to do, but if you would be willing to host folks from our church to have a dinner, I'd love to see you sign up for that. I really would. And you receive more blessing than you'd ever expect. Because I have. And so has my wife. And so I encourage you all. Like, how can you invite others? And I just want to say this. Like, I... Um, your home doesn't have to be perfect. Like, I hope people don't expect my house to be perfect when they come over because we're imperfect people. Hospitality just says, hey, you're more important than my home. <laughs> That's what it means, right? Can we move to that? Like, I, I don't have to, like, live up with the Joneses. I got to have everything in order in my house. Like, no, I just want you to come over because we're family, how can we move to gather together around the table and experience the presence of God? And then this Thursday, y'all, hey, come. Thursday night, put on your schedule. Because what are we going to do? Food with people to share with them the love of Christ and the joy of Christ through a hot dog. And yes, even a hot dog can express the very goodness of God. So participate with us. Change your schedule. Change your schedule. Come Thursday night. It's going to be an awesome time together. You all, I want you to love eating with people. Eat more with people. There's one thing you take away. Eat more with people. Yes, this personal trainer saying it. Eat more with people. Spend time with people and do it for your spiritual sustenance. Do it for your joy do it so your, your faith will be strong. And Christ, Christ is central to this because he's our food and he's our drink. Jesus is the one who is the bread of life. He is also the one who is the living water who brings spiritual, eternal life to each of us. Do what he gives. He is our food and drink.
And this morning as we, as we come to communion, it's a meal. This is our Passover as Christians. We believe that Christ was crucified, died, and buried so that our sins could be forgiven and we could participate in this beautiful, eternal relationship with God Almighty. If you have not done that, you've not chosen Christ, man, I would love to talk with you at your service. Pastor would, any of our staff would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Christ. But I'd say don't, don't take this meal right now if you're not a Christian. But if you are a Christian, this meal is for you because he is our food and our drink. And I want to end today with communion just reading the book of Luke. How Jesus ends with his disciples in the upper room. And so if you would take your cup and your drink. And I'm reading from Luke chapter 22. This is Jesus in the Last Supper. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table. And the apostles with him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread. He took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying what? This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, he said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let's drink together. And then Jesus says to them, brothers and sisters, this is what he says to them. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom that you would eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. At the end of the day, as you see a picture of heaven, Here's what the book of Revelation says. I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready.
It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed, blessed are those of you who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So, I long look forward to the day when we will eat and rejoice. There will be no more pain and there will be no more suffering. There will be no trials or hurt for the king will come and gather each of us around a beautiful table with beautiful food and we will celebrate. That is your eternal destiny, my friends. So this week, today, let us eat together and enjoy the company of those whose home is heaven. Amen.